chapter 3 and 4. We open our year by reading through the book of Jonah. So this morning, morning, it was Jonah 101, and this evening, actually, Jonah 102. That's a kind of a title for our sermons. Jonah 3 and 4, chapter 3 and 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the, the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, for, he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh by the decree of king of his nobles. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and didn't bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord in his anger, of course. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. God, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, have, have you any right to be angry? This looks like my granddaughter or something. Yeah. Are you, have you any right to be angry? Jonah went, uh, uh, went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in a shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for its head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, I would, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do. He said, I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine. 
though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right from and from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? You know, reading it makes me feel very uncomfortable that a person can play with God like that. A prophet. Lord, I ask for help as I want to explain your word. It's too complicated and difficult. Help us. Help us, Lord, to receive your word of life. I repent myself first. Because I'm accusing Jonah, but I have my own complicated way, ways. Forgive me, Father. Speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. A good Reformed preacher, always, we were told at Calvin, preaches three points every Sunday, morning and night. First point tonight, success in ministry does not always show, is not a sign of closeness to God. Success in ministry or in life is not always a sign of closeness to God. No. Two, repentance always works. Let me qualify it. True repentance always works. And finally, the God of the Bible is merciful. The moment you read in chapter 3 that Jonah, God issues the command again, go do it. After jail time, Jonah does not want to go now through another fish, so he goes. You know, ministry can be addictive. When things are going well in ministry, you stand up and preach. Thousands of people come to the Lord. It gives you a high. Ministry, you see, it can be just addictive. You can't stop. When you preach and you see people saved, people grow, people change, you know? It's beautiful. So the text really, I don't know how to deal with this. Jonah goes, God told him, or the information is that for him to reach Nineveh, he needs three days of walking and preaching. The text says he only preached one day. Instantly revival. One day of preaching in Nineveh brings success. The whole city, even the king, all of them repent. I thought Jonah would get out of his foolishness and say, praise the Lord. No. No. That's why I say my first point is 
success in ministry or in life does not guarantee that the person that is being used is closer to the Lord. No. Success in ministry, success in life depends on God's calling. It depends on God's mission. Because God told you to go, when you go, things happen. Not because of you, because of the one who sent you. And as ministers or as people, you know, there was, it's, it's unbelievable. As, as a minister, if you go somewhere, you preach, a thousand people come to, to the Lord, the first thought that comes to my mind, your mind is, wow, I'm great. I must, I must be closer to the Lord than the other ministers because I preach a thousand come to the Lord. Wrong. Power is there because God is there. God could have chosen a totally different prophet to go to Nineveh and to, to preach. So it's not because of Jonah that the people of Nineveh are repenting. It is because of God. A few years ago, there was a saying that was terrible. We were saying it like laughing. I built it. No, we built nothing. Your business, you did not build it. No, God did it. And he gave it to you. You built nothing. The moment you think that I am the reason of my success, you are destroying yourself. Because the Bible says, God will never give his glory to somebody else. You know, look, we say a lot of things, but I can tell you, I'm a prophet. I'm a preacher, but I'm a prophet of God. I'm not saying this to promote myself, no. The day, listen to me carefully, you know, because I'm talking as a prophet. Listen carefully. There is one reason only, the only one reason America is the greatest nation on earth is because we said it in God, we trust. The day we remove this word from here, we're done. There is a reason. We made a statement of faith as people that this country is built on God, not on us. In God, we trust. Remember what I'm saying. The day you re we remove it, we're in big trouble. We stated it. We put it on our money. On one dollar bill where the whole thing starts. We put it there. Whoever did it was sent by God to do it.
don't ask me for my dollar when I get out there. I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> success in ministry, success in life is not based on you. It is based on God who sent you. When he sent you there, he provided his power there to be with you as you serve. You find the power there. Your mission and your responsibility is to be at that place. Jonah, with a twisted heart, went there and was successful there. Not because he was a saint, but because he obeyed. We say it and sing it all the time. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You see that verse there? Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. What? Revival came. By the way, before I go to the second point, I want to be a little bit clear here. We prayed about revival. Revival starts with obedience. I am praying and I'm asking God to bring revival to the United States of America. Because you know what? If America, if revival happens here, it's going to be just second. It reaches the whole world. We want it here. This year. Number two. Repentance always works. There is a reason God says that Nineveh must be destroyed because evil is going from the earth up to God himself. That's the similar language that God used when he talked about Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah. Over there, in, for Sodom and Gomorrah, God descended. The angel said, I have come to see before I destroyed them. This time for Nineveh, the noise is up, going up. The people in Nineveh hear, listen to the message, and then something very, it just happened. All of them repented, but truly, what is true repentance? You see there, they humbled themselves by wearing cloth and putting whatever, dust or whatever. That's the outside, the external form of repentance. But the inside is what they all came back. Shuv, the Hebrew word means, they returned from evil. They, they, didn't, they turned their back to their evil ways. The king himself first. And I was wondering why even the animals, those are very bad farmers. You don't, you don't starve your cows. You're not going to get no milk. But he says, for one day, nobody touches nothing. Repentance. I was in Israel a couple of years ago, and 
uh, I was touring the Israel with a, a rabbi, a, a Jewish a rabbi, and then I was like, okay, I want to hear him talk. We were talking back and forth with the rabbi, and I said to him, but what about repentance in Judaism? He says, Paul, for us in Judaism, to repent means to do something. I says, okay, because I said, for us Christians, I repent, all my sins are removed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. He says, okay, fine, but if you sinned against God, you repair with God. If you sinned against somebody, you repair with somebody. If you sinned against nature, you repair with nature. I said, I said to him, explain to me again. He says, listen, if you don't return the thing you took away, there is no forgiveness. If you went to a bank, stole $10, and you come, Lord, I sinned, go return that 10 bucks. Until you return it, there is no forgiveness. That is the word for repentance in Hebrew. Shuv, return. Shuv, turn, return it. Whatever you touched, that is not yours, that belongs to somebody else, that offend God, you have to return it. That's why we have problems. Pastor, I, 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 repent, I ask for forgiveness, but I don't find peace. Yes, because you are holding the thing you stole. You have to apologize to your wife or your husband because you said things that are hurtful. You can just say, Lord, thank you for forgiving my sins. She is still mad at you. Now, don't think that Charlotte didn't come tonight because we argued. No, the, grand, the grandkids are over there. She stay, we are just doing fine, okay? <laughs> repentance. True repentance means going back, returning things. So, The Bible, the verse says, God looked and said, wow, they really repented? I forgive them. The God of the Bible loves repentance when we actually say, Lord, I did it. I'm sorry. We have become a culture of excuses. I don't know where did that thing come from. It's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. They didn't tell me enough they loved me. If we didn't love you, we wouldn't, first of all, you wouldn't exist. It's not my fault. My parents didn't... Listen up. The moment you can stand up and walk by yourself, it is not your father's responsibility anymore. It's your own. You cannot go around the world always accusing your parents. I know there are no perfect parents, but you have to stand by yourself and say, I did it. It's not your dad's and mom's fault. It's not the government's fault. Come on. Everything can't be. We have to say, if we can't say, I did it, we have to say, I sinned. 
I messed it up. We do not know how to repent. That's why we always carry that lingering sense of guilt. The people of Nineveh, Shuv, returned to the Lord. Here is a brand new year. What are the things that you are taking into this year that you should have left to the year that passed? What are the sins that God has been pointing out to you, but you just don't want to give it all up? No. Grace does not mean that God doesn't see. You have to own to it. You know what? Own up. I did it. Repentance works. And I'm asking you today, this is a brand new year, get in this year without any form of guilt. Why? My third point, because I want to finish, I, 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 I applaud your church again, thank you, for not having a clock. It removes all the pressure from the preacher. Some of us have to preach for a long time. So, thank you again. I, I, I vote against the clock all the time, every year I come over here, but thank you. But I have to finish my sermon with my third point. This sermon today, morning and night, is not about Jonah. The sermons I gave you today, this morning and tonight, is not about Jonah. It's about God. It is about God, and the truth of this sermon comes from the mouth of Jonah himself. Look at it. He says it himself. Chapter 4, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarsus. I knew, you knew what? That you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. This crooked prophet has a good theology. He has good theology. He may be wrong in so many ways, but he knows exactly who God is. By the way, He's the first person benefiting from what he described. Because I was asking God, why are you being so patient with this guy? Yeah. He is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. That's the God of Jonah. That's the God of Abraham. That's the God of David. That's the God of Jesus. This book of Jonah is not about Jonah. It's about the description of who God is. It reminds us of Deuteronomy and Exodus 20. 
God is compassionate, merciful, patient. You know, if any of my kids try to answer me the way Jonah was asking, I want to die, I would help him die. This is a total disrespect. God didn't help Jonah die. No. He just, he showed him mercy. I think we have a problem in the church. Our, our God is not the God of Jonah. Our God is not the God of Jesus. Our God is not gracious. He's not compassionate. He's not slow to anger. Our God kills on the spot. Our God never ever allows us to mess up. Never. Our God the God that we preach every Sunday keeps a record of sins. And he has a, a, a record player. He replays to us every single mistake we make. That's the God we have in our lives. That's why when you look at our faces, we are always agitated. We don't calm down. Because our God is not the God of Jonah. Jonah, the crooked prophet, knew his God. That's why he could do all those stuff. Who is your God? Who are you worshiping? The father of Jesus? The one who takes the bullets so that you don't get hit. I'm not here to give you a, a watered down version of God. No, the gospel is this. A God who is patient with a prophet that deserved to be burned. He doesn't do it. He waits. I'm sending you home tonight with a tender God who knows exactly everything that is wrong with you. But he says, he is mine. I love him. I take him the way he comes. Jesus works in the garbage business. He takes care. He works at the landfill. That's why, did you hear him? Come to me. All of you who are clean up and nice, no. <laughs> who are burdened and tired, and I will give you what? Rest. 
It's a whole new year. The God of Jonah is patient. The God of Jonah is tender. The God of Jonah lets us be fools. He forgives. If you have the courage to repent. Can you at least walk in this year with this joy and assurance knowing that God is going to walk with me and help me deal with all my problems and troubles. You know. That's the only way we serve. I, you know, I look at my life. I look at what God is doing through me. And I look at all the inconsistencies that I see. And I just, I, mar I marvel. Wow, how can you use somebody like myself? Unimpressive. My neighbor la made me laugh one day. She gets our um, mail. She lives down the street. She actually, she's, she goes to one of our CRC churches down there. She lives down the street. She gets all our mails and emails when, I, when we travel. And one year, particularly, I traveled and I had a huge evangelism in a big stadium. 3,000 converts. Yes, yeah, I saw them. 3,000. I led them to the Lord. You know. And then I got in a plane, tired, and came home. And I went by myself. Charlotte was not with me. I got home tired. Charlotte fed me some food so these bones can get a little bit of meat on them, you know. And two days later, I put my shirt and my hoodie, and I was tired and walking down the street, you know, to kind of, you know, get back. And that lady came out, and she saw me walking. She just came out. And stood out there. I said, Paul. I said, yeah. Oh, who would ever guess that you are the guy who led 3,000 people to the Lord overseas and you're walking down the street with your hood on? I looked at her. I said, oh, okay. But it made me think you know, that God accomplishes huge things through people when they consider themselves to be what? Small. Here is a year. This morning I said things will go well for you. Tonight I am telling you God is patient. He's going to walk with you. May I ask you for a favor? May I ask you to truly repent so that things may go from well to excellently, I don't know what adverb to use. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. I pray, Father, that you may show us the power of repentance so that we may repent and be strong and walk in faith.
Jesus, thank you for this new year. We love you, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, now, I think.